Hello and welcome to Wi-Fi Optional. This is episode 17. This is your weekly tech show where we talk tech so you don't have to. Uh, recorded Monday, March 14th, 2016, and uh, this actually happens to be Pi Day. And with me is Mr. Jason Watercott. Uh, Jason, how was your Pi Day? Well, you didn't bring me any, so it's not going good so far, but uh, I guess I'll take it for what it is. You know, I stopped at the local grocery store this morning on my way to work to, to pick up a pie, and uh, the only pies they had were apple. They had, they had a million apple pies, but nothing else. So It's a horrible time of year for, for boutique pies, I guess you'd call them, or better pies than the standard. There's no I holidays guess. coming up. <laughs> what are you going to do? Um, we have a pretty jam-packed show today. Uh, you know, you and I, we were going through the, the script and a uh, couple of extra shows that we want. We were ta- thinking about axing, but then, you know, they're they're too good to to cut out. So, um, all right. Should we start? Let's get rolling. Apple on Thursday sent out a media invitation to its March 21st event at Cupertino, California office headquarters with a cryptic teaser, Let's Loop You In. Uh, Speculation is right to unveil a new 4-inch iPhone called the iPhone SE. Along with this is a 9.7-inch iPad Air, also expected, as well as some new Apple iWatch, excuse me, Apple Watch Bands, it's a slip up I always make. Uh, and uh, some minor hardware and software updates as well. Um, it's really interesting um, that this is all coming out now with the FBI lurking in the uh, the background for Apple um, and talking about, uh, you know, changing firmwares and things like this. That they're coming out with two new phones now. So um, I don't know if it's a, a rush on Apple side or a pushback since they originally planned this on the 15th. But it uh, should be interesting if these new phone or this new uh cheaper smaller phone has they offer yeah i wonder if they're gonna talk about or they're gonna officially release this this new smaller phone and then this new smaller phone is going to come out with a version of firmware that does not leave the the door open for uh a a third party to to break in but we'll find out here i think that's what they have to do is just you know thwart the thwart the questions making it well we we just can't do it hands in the air you're not gonna you know Exactly. Don't point at us anymore. We can't do anything about it. <laughs> uh, George Hotz plans to beat Tesla and Google with this robocar startup. George Hotz, for those of you that are uh, not too familiar, uh, also goes by the name of Geo Hotz, was the guy that first hacked the iPhone, uh, came up with the jailbreak. Um, he is actually working on creating a self-driving car. Uh, he claims that he can build self-driving a self-driving car algorithm faster and better than any car maker, even Google. Uh, Google is going to ship by the end of 2020, he says. We're actually going to make this stuff work. Um, he actually has a modified uh, a retail SUV, I think an Acura, uh, that he's he's working on. He, um, the article says he's working on a kit that people can buy and equip their vehicles for autonomous capabilities. He hasn't come close to working out the details of what this product will ultimately look like, but he said it might be a dash cam that plugs into the onboard diagnostics port, which gives access to the car's internal systems and is found in most cars made after 1996, and it will provide with the ADAS features, also called the Advanced Driver Assistance System. Um, and it'll give you features like keeping lane assistance and emergency braking. There's a, there, there's a little video in this article uh, from Forbes where he actually has this vehicle, and he was showing and 
the first couple of tests actually failed. They put a dummy in front of the vehicle, and they accelerated towards the dummy, and the, the goal was for the vehicle to stop, but it actually just drove right through the thing. And, of course, they had to go in and tweak the software, and then it stopped the second time. But it's interesting because it kind of ties in with what we've been talking about for a couple of weeks, the onboard diagnostics port in you know, the, automatic system that, ooh, the automatic system that you bought. Um, so sounds like uh, some of our questions are getting answered because that o OBD port um, seems like it does have the ability to control certain uh, uh, options. And the other part I find interesting is that he went and picked out an off-the-shelf SUV, a, a newer model, which has a lot of the the uh, the fly by, the drive-by-wire systems built in. So it has the the ABS, it has the, the automatic shifting and the power steering, all that stuff. So he doesn't have to build those. Those are already built in. He's just going to interface with his existing uh, software. But it'll be interesting to see. He already broke the iPhone, so we know the guy's got a little bit of talent. or He's got talent, so we'll see what he comes up with. He got $20 million, um, I have to add right at the end, um, by a, 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 a Fortune 500 company that uh, sees potential in what he's going to do. Yeah, like you said, it's just interesting to see um, kind of the, the whole, the car is just a head unit kind of thing, or the car is just a, uh, a shell around what you want to do. And like you also said, is is what the OD, uh, ODB2 port can do. And I believe reading into it that it, it's more of just reading the OD, OD, ODB2 port, tongue twister. Uh, but uh, I think, you know, a lot of it, there's a lot more hacking involved than just, you know, plug this thing in and plug it into a camera and, and your car is driving itself. But like you said, it'll be interesting to see what uh, a single person can do compared to all these billion dollar uh, auto companies trying to do the same thing. Okay. Uh, story number story number three we have is uh, going back to our uh, encryption FBI stories. Uh, WhatsApp um, has uh, recently planned uh, encryption soon. As the battle between Apple and the FBI continues, the other tech companies are close to announcing security improvements. Among them is uh, the Facebook-owned messaging service already alluded to as WhatsApp, uh, which publicly says it ex uh, sets to expand encryption to voice calls within weeks. Uh, Facebook itself is also reportedly considering how it might uh, improve its security by implementing encryption into its own messenger services. Um, and this comes um, from a New York Times article. And uh, they also talked about um, a recent report of how uh, the Department of Justice um, was debating how to deal with these and how uh, one specific case where they reportedly could not uh, do a wiretap on uh, WhatsApp where this whole uh, whole story came from so it's kind of interesting to see um another company kind of getting attacked and, and um reacting i guess you could say to what's uh, what's going on in the news i think that's exactly the thing i think a lot of these companies are seeing what apple and the fbi are going through right now and saying hey you know what apple's got deep pockets they can actually fight these cases and get somewhere but let's maybe you know fix it before it becomes a problem and, and these companies are starting to put patches in so does this patch mean that, uh, you know, at some point in time, say something happens and the government wants to get into some of the the WhatsApp messages, are they going to do the exact same thing, put their hands up and say, we can't, that's just how it is. Um, but like you said, I think a lot of the other companies are, are they're, they're watching it real well and they're going to go, we don't want to get into this predicament. Let's do what we can to kind of circumvent this and not actually you know, fall into that bucket and get sued or, or 
you know, whatever, because it's they're a for-profit business as well. And there's a lot of people that actually use what I use WhatsApp all the time. And it's been a great medium if, if you wanted to communicate with people that are not within the U.S. or even with people that, that are within the U.S. that you don't want to use, um, you know, your cell phone number or, you know, whatever the case may be. And, and the, the last the last thing is, you know, just just the idea that um, a. No, the idea of no matter what you do, no matter what app you shut down or you make open, the bad guys are going to find some other way to do it, create their own app, find some other app out there, you know, some third party thing. So I, I, I think, you know, that's the only way to really stop this is, you know, not letting the justice system take its course, but just, you know, like you said make it so they have no control and then say, well, what do you want me to do about it? So, Right. And then transitioning or segueing really well from that story to the other, Apple targeted in ransomware attack. Macintosh has its first, ra first ransomware campaign. Uh, Key Ranger hit in full force. The malware was inserted into a well-known program called Transmission uh, that's used for BitTorrenting. Uh, when Apple PC users, when Apple users or Apple computer users actually Updated the transmission program with the update. The, it became available on March 4th. These, the, those computers actually became infected. Yahoo News reported the ransomware will take three days to start encrypting files. Um, the, the really interesting part about this is, yes, we've already, we know about ransomware. It's you know, somewhat popular in the, in the PC world or the Windows world. Uh, but within the Apple operating system, it does store certain backups, uh, you know, three, four backups. So if something were to happen, you can always roll back, kind of like a time machine feature. You can roll back your machine to say, oh, hey, it doesn't work. I'm going to roll it back, just like what Windows has. But this actually goes in and corrupts those backups as well. So if at some point in time you do get infected, and then all of a sudden you decide, hey, something's wrong, I'm going to roll back to, you know, two days ago, well, guess what? That's infected too. Um, but the the software transmission actually did uh, figure out that something something is going on, and they they immediately released a patch um, that removes this malware, um, and it cleans up your machine. So they claim that uh, uh, you know it's no longer a problem. And if you they say if you believe that you're affected, it is advice you update the transmission software 2.92 version immediately. Um, I think uh, for the longest time, you know, there was this, there was the, the group of people that saying Apple safer, Apple safer, don't go Windows, everybody go Apple. But I think the tide is slowly starting to shift where we're going to see, we're seeing more and more Apple machines out on the market. And then of course, you know, these, the, the hackers, the evildoers are going to go, okay, well, that's another untapped resource that we can go towards, go after. Um, and then I was reading through the article and there were some, some comments that were being made, uh, there was a person that had commented. Uh, apparently, there's a research that was done. I, I I don't have the the sources, so I need to dig it up a little more. And they claim that historically, Apple users tend to spend more money um, than Windows users. So the the malware makers are going to go, hey, are, are we going to be able to get a, a bigger bounty for breaking into an Apple machine versus a, a Windows machine? So. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if people started getting calls from, uh, you know, Apple support saying that, uh, you know, their machine is sending sending errors to, to Apple and they need to. You know, yeah, it's it, card number. your last point makes sense. You know, it's if you're if you're going to set up a, a crime spree, you're going to go through the white pages and look for a list of people on welfare and look for people in, in million dollar mansions. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of obvious you're going to go for the the higher end uh, phone user that ends up being the, the iPhone or the, the Apple 
user, whether it's a Mac, whether whatever it is. Um, so that holds true. But the, the interesting thing to me about this is um, <clears throat> it seems to be the popularity and the speed that people want to get apps out that they kind of use built-in packages and things. And this this isn't the case, but I know the last um, hack they had or the last phishing scam they had was, uh, I can't think what the actual um, package was, but it was something that people used in order to build their app. And, you know, that's kind of where the, the back door came in or where the, the, the phishing scam came in. And, and um, it's just, it, it's one of those things where, you know, we talked about it um, with phones years or a while back on the, one of the first Wi-Fi optionals, but it, it seems like the faster people want to get out things, you know, they'll, they'll cut corners. And that's when, when these things kind of, kind of end up coming through. And, and this is just, like you said, the first one on a, on an actual Apple device. So, right. Quite interesting. Um, and for our bonus uh, Pi Day uh, <laughs> fifth pick of the day here, uh, we have a little uh, interesting story kind of saying on the same uh, uh, aspect as our uh, our autonomous cars. Um, but the uh, Go Grandmaster Lisa Dahl uh, finally grabs a win uh, versus his uh, hated, now hated opponent, uh, Google's AI uh, AlphaGo. Um, Korean Go, Ma- Go Grandmaster Lisa Dahl, uh, like I said, won his first uh, match against uh, AlphaGo, Google's artificial intelligence computing system, after losing his first uh, three straight matches earlier this week. Uh, AlphaGo had already claimed victory in the best of five contest and the test for artificial intelligence closely watched in Asia and across the tech world. But on Sunday evening inside a Seoul's Four Seasons Hotel, Lisa Dahl Cloud clawed back a degree of pride for himself and millions of people watching the match online. Um, and and uh, we, we kind of talked about this before the show on, on how uh, this uh, is an interesting story in itself that, um, you know, making AI for chess and games, which are somewhat down the path but have regimented, um, you know, paths and ways you can go, where Go is more of a... Uh, uh, feeling and and not so much a straight strategy. Oh, I think we may have lost Jason. Well, we're going to let him uh, reconnect. But uh, where I find it interesting is artificial intelligence is is absolutely fantastic, and I think we've come a, a tremendous way since uh, since the initial release of artificial intelligence. But you know, at the end of the day, we're still not there to the point where we can we can give an artificial intelligence computer like. Uh, you know, the AlphaGo from Google, uh, a fifth grade science test, for example, and say, hey, go ahead and do this or, or uh, you know, have it have a very coerced conversation with, with someone. But needless to say, this, the, this particular uh, incident itself using AlphaGo proved a lot of things where it, uh, it had a certain amount of, of programming in, involved, of course, but it also was able to adapt based on on how the the uh, the human player was was playing uh, much better than the previous uh, uh, AI systems, um, and also along that coincidence may have it, uh, Microsoft also released a, a little blurb saying that they're actually going to be using Minecraft as a learning tool for a lot of their uh, some of their new uh, robots and AI systems. And I see Jason just jump back in, so uh, feel free to jump in, Jason. Yeah, it's uh, like what I was talking about before with the the Go. It's Microsoft having its um, its deep learning platform, basically where um, they can train uh, robots, kind of the same way you would train a uh, game playing 
um, intelligence like AlphaGo, but instead of having to physically have the robot go out and do something and potentially be broken, they can kind of do it artificially in a uh, environment. And, and so happens they use the Minecraft engine to kind of uh, simulate that. So it's a really interesting way to go about it and, and kind of maybe look into the long game of why Microsoft did purchase um, something like Minecraft. Yeah, exactly. That uh, that certainly makes sense. And while you were trying to reconnect, I was I was mentioning, um, you know, as as much as artificial intelligence has stepped up and, and improved since the since its initial uh, inception, but we still are not at a point where we can you know give it some a, a piece of paper with a bunch of questions and it read it and and you know answer legitimately or or uh, just like a human. So there, we're still ways away, but we're certainly making massive improvements every time um you know we have an incident like this and uh, to mention it was uh correct me if i'm wrong it was a, a three out best three out of five uh was yep. was the uh, uh the tournament and then you know AlphaGo won four times um so we're still make we're making massive improvements we're still not there yet but you know every bit helps exactly and and it's it's just a like you said it's just kind of a stepping stone and it's it's interesting to see these companies that um like you said you can't just learn things overnight you can't just put a piece of paper down on something right but these companies that are experts at data gathering and experts at data you know uh, compiling are the ones that are putting together these um these systems because that's kind of how they have to learn almost at a rapid pace you know as we grow up as a as a human being from a from a baby to an adult you know it's you know 18 years of or whatever of of knowledge that you gain that these robots and things have to learn in such a short period of time so the more data that they can accumulate the more information they can pull in um the faster these things can kind of uh, grow (laughs) so to speak right exactly and that brings us to uh, our main stories are deep dive articles. So the big thing this week is the Samsung Galaxy S7 and the S7 Edge. This is actually a, a kind of a game changer for the wireless uh, phone industry. Yeah, it's it's quite industri- interesting. Um, it's one of the first times in a while that uh, a Galaxy phone has kind of uh, jumped um, the iPhone or Apple in uh, in stake for or having the the most cutting edge, I guess, phone you could say, and um, it's kind of Samsung also bringing back or listening to people for once. It seems like and bringing back things people liked and getting rid of some of the things they didn't. Um, so it's 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 quite an interesting change, and and uh, I know some of the early reviews of things that people from Mobile World Congress and and uh, getting the first um, versions. I know there's actually an individual at my that got it basically at release day and i have to put it off a little bit are are really really good especially things like the the camera and and uh the whopping what was it 250 yeah 25 60 by 1440 screens they have which is absolutely ridiculous when you think about yeah, it 534 <laughs> yeah 534 ppi that's just ridiculously high res but um the other thing i find interesting is that it's it's an octa core so eight cores but instead of having eight of the same, they, they decided to split it. They have four 2.3 gigahertz Mongoose cores and then four 1.6 gigahertz, gigahertz Cortex A53 cores. Um, so that's actually kind of interesting where they kind of split between uh, uh, the, the two different types. Um, they, the battery is not removable, unfortunately, but they did 
pack quite a bit for wireless uh, 802.11 ABG and and AC uh, all built in. Uh, like you said, the camera they did go down a little bit on the megapixels, but we all know in the tech world, megapixels yes. really don't mean mean much. Uh, but they did go down to an f1.2. Um, so the the low light pictures are going to be pretty good. And I, I we talked about this and we you know compared some pictures. Uh, before the show, there were some people that got some early releases that were trying it, and they had side-by-side uh, -side comparisons. They had a, a mirrorless DSLR, and then they had an iPhone 6S, and then they had the S7. They took the same picture, and the S7 by far um, does better in, in, in low-light situations compared to like the, the Apple's flagship phone. Uh, massive battery, 3,600 milliamps on the Edge, and then 3,000 milliamp on the, on the, uh, the regular S7. Um, quick charging, wireless charging, heart rate, you, you know, your your entire gamut of things. And then, you know, IP68 uh, for, uh, you know, water resistance and, um, you know, dust proof and, and you name it. And it's just interesting that they, they brought back, like you mentioned, some of those features they had before that they kind of got rid of with the, um, the S6 and the S5 versions. Um, well, mostly what they were in the S5. Um, and... The, the interesting thing we talked about for the show was not going type C, which yes. which most phone makers are going nowadays, which yes. allows you a whole gamut of other options of, of things to do. And and they're actually backwards compatible technically with, with other plugs other than just confusing people. So it's really interesting um, to we kind of, we kind of talked about it shortly, but why they would do something like that other than just a, a, a play into the people that, that already have um, mini USBs or micro USBs and don't want to get another charger. But I don't know why you would you'd hold yourself back from a, a, a newer or I guess better at this point technology. So kind of interesting thing. You know, that that's not the first time Samsung's done it. I have, uh, this is a uh, Samsung Note uh, three and you know they went into the the wider usb 3.0 port on this one um and then the next generation they dumped that and went to the standard uh, i mean yes i can still plug a, a, a micro usb into this which is great but then you know if i wanted to use this like for data throughput and whatnot and it's full potential charge it a lot faster you don't have to have that that special cable and then it lasted one generation they went to the the next one dump the port um, so it looks like they're pulling the same thing um, this time with the S7. I have a feeling it might be a marketing. Somebody on the marketing side said, yeah, no, uh, you know, people are used to the micro USB. Let's stick with a micro USB. But from a from a technical standpoint, I think the USB-C would have made much more, uh, much more sense for them. It, it would have. And and because I don't think it's a fad like the the wider uh, type three connector was kind of a a not a standard it's a standard but not a, a widely adopted one where c is becoming kind of a standard you see it on laptops right. um, apple starting to use that you know there's a ton of people that are starting to use that and when they get adoption like that it's usually going to stick around um so i don't know why they wouldn't um you know even even having and then you know they have a three they have a 3.5 millimeter headphone jack and that's starting to kind of go we hear reports from the newest iphone gonna that's probably going to not have a headphone jack that's kind of going the way of the dodo so they, it's weird that they would go so advanced with certain things and kind of stick in the past with the with those uh those um hardwired inputs instead of the the new nfc and bluetooth standards they've they've adopted um the other thing that i found interesting is it having the uh, wireless charging 
um, capabilities built in. I, I've always wondered how long that's going to take for something like that to become a, a standard feature where they build it into phones. Um, it's been around forever from, uh, what are the power mats? Is that what they were called? Or what yep, were they the called back mats. in the day? Yeah, but back you need when a we special both... backplate for that. that exactly. Uh, the, the, the prongs but that connected to the battery. It only, it only took time for that stuff to get, you know, uh, shrunk down to a size where you can put it on a chip inside of a phone where it can actually, you know, do the charging for itself. So I always figured that would be something that would be um, a standard a lot sooner than it, than it, well, it's not even standard yet, but then it's come to fruition um, now. So that, that's, that's pretty interesting to me too as well. But um, using wise, like I said, I had a friend at work that actually um, got one of these and I played around with it. And, and the, the first thing I noticed is the screen. I mean, I remember back when um, LCDs and LED TVs came out and, and they talked about how you only could have a, you had to have a certain size screen to be able to have 1080p because they couldn't pack as many pixels in a, you know, it had to be like 32 inch or bigger. Well, now we have, you know, 1440 screens um, that are, you know, six, seven inches large. And it's just, it seems ridiculous to me that they can pack all that amount of pixels into, into one little small screen like that. And then it being a, a, a AMO LED, um, how much better the um, contrast and the uh, um, dark levels and things like that on the screen are than uh, regular, regular LED makes it look very, very pretty. And it runs Android uh, 6.0. Oh boy, there goes my Samsung. Um, Android 6.0 Marshmallow with TouchWiz. I've never been a, a fan of uh, TouchWiz. Um, but, uh, yeah, you're right. They did bring back a lot of the features. Rumor is that when they came out with the S6, people were uh, fairly taken aback, and I wonder if they did get some backlash that, you know, they were missing the, the micro SD port and, you know, a bunch of other things. So they're like, okay, fine, we'll, you know, we'll give it back to you. Uh, but if they were going to do that... Uh, you know, the one thing they still uh, stuck to was the was the internal battery, which, um, you know, we both used phones with internal batteries. And, and personally, they work great, except for if there's some kind of an issue um, and you wanted to replace the battery. I know I've replaced battery on, on some of my phones, you know, multiple times. But then in this case, uh, unless you really want to tinker with it, uh, you know, get a, a torque screwdriver and and, you know, guitar pick and try and take the, the back off. Um, you really can't do much of it. So that uh, is, is kind of a, uh, to me at least, a uh, little bit of a, a concern. But overall, I think for what this phone is packing, I think this is seriously going to give Apple a, a run for their money. Uh, but then looping back to where we started the show with Apple's new uh, uh, announcement of, hey, you know, we got uh, we got something else coming here pretty soon. Um you never know. Maybe Apple's got something up their sleeve um, to to rival the S7. I think they're going to have to, and I and I think you know they've been stagnant long enough where they've kind of just slowly, incrementally increased their phones, bigger screen. You know, done really uh, obvious, basic things. I think they really have to get back to the Steve Jobs innovation. You know, that really brought the iPhone to where it is and actually do something different instead of just add little things because everybody else is starting to make phones like this that are that are living up to what or even better than what the the Apple the current iPhone is at and and the last point I want to make is it's interesting they still have an S7 and S7 Edge uh, because all the reports are is the S7 Edge is 10 times better phone than the S7 just looks wise and all that stuff but then I actually held a S6 Edge my friends the other day and along with my S uh, my new friend's S7 without the edge, 
And I don't like the edge. A, you end up turning off the edge features because you bump them accidentally. And B, it just doesn't feel right in your hand. Like it looks absolutely gorgeous, but actually use-wise, I just do not like it. And then if you want to use it, you have to put a case on, which kind of defeats the purpose of the edge. So that's kind of the, my last two cents. They said that the, um, at least on Samsung's side, the primary uh, thought process behind the edge is they claim that a lot of people turn their phone on just to look at the time. And just turning the phone on, e even though you don't do anything, you just push the power button to, to launch that massive screen, it's a huge battery draw. So what they did was they circumvented that by putting the clock um, on, on, the, on the edge. So when your phone is charging at night or whatever, or however, it's sitting on a desk, you can just look at it, and it, it's, it's much uh, a lower battery draw. And it's a lot easier for the uh, uh, for the end user. You know, you're, you'll be able to run an entire day with it. Uh, but like you said, I wonder. And uh, uh, granted, I've never tried the S7 Edge yet. I wonder if there is a way that you can shut those those uh, the sensors off on the edge. You can, and then still use it just as an enunciator, just to just to display the information. Yep. No, you can. And and, and the other thing, not to keep running on, but the. Uh, I can't think what it's actually called now. I lost it in the article here, but the ability where it has that uh, the passive the passive notification on the front of it too is really nice. I know like the Motorola phones used to have yep. the yes. where if it was shook, the accelerometer was moved, it came up. Well, this is just on all the time, no matter what. So you constantly have that that notification and the clock and everything on the screen. It's really a really cool feature. And from all the reports I've heard, doesn't really um, affect battery. You know, yeah, and I don't think measurable. so like right now because you probably heard my phone go off and now my, my LED indicator is flashing blue that saying that I have a message. So that's actually going to take some power to flash that LED. Yep. So, you know, likewise, that uh, that edge indicator is probably going to take up maybe less, you know, because if it's always running, you just, yeah. So, well, like you said, it'll be interesting to see how, how Apple, uh, Apple, Apple responds to all this. Right. Um, so where are we at with time, Jason? Uh, 30 minutes on the dot. Oh, 30 minutes. All right. Hey, thanks to uh, Purple Planet for providing our music for the show. Um, it's royalty-free music. Uh, if you guys ever want to check them out, purple-planet.com. Very special thank you uh, to everybody uh, for watching and listening. If you're listening to our MP3 stream, uh, don't forget to subscribe. Um, it should be right down there. And then... Um, Find us on iTunes. Uh, we did have a little bit of a snag with iTunes, but I believe we got it fixed. So um, iTunes, Wi-Fi optional is the show. And we are always on uh, Wi-Fi optional.com. That's our website. And find us on Twitter at Wi-Fi optional and uh, Facebook, Twitter. That's who we are. And from Jason and myself, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Bye-bye.